HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Greenhorns, this is Severin, and this is Greenhorns Radio. I'm happy to be talking to a Pennsylvanian today. This is Nolan from Stryker Farm. Welcome to the show, Nolan. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being there. <laughs> so maybe you can just give us a quick little season's update. I'm very thankful that you came indoors, although here it just started raining big raindrops. Um, what's going on in this very busy time of year where you are? Uh, let's see. Oh, we are trying to ramp up uh, our summer production for pork. Um, for those who don't know, uh, I operate Striker Farm. It's a 47-acre um, diverse livestock farm, but mostly we raise heritage breed pigs. Um, we also raise uh, goats and chickens for eggs, um, but mostly pigs. And uh, right now we're just trying to increase production. Um, we've had a really good, uh, really good demand for our product, and uh, we're starting to actually do deliveries into New York City. So I'm, I'm glad to be on the show today. Well, New York City is, of course, deeply meritorious of your supply of pork. But uh, tell me, where did you where did you start in your business? Um, how did your business proceed to the point where you're now selling all the way into New York City? Maybe just explain a little bit the development of that. Sure. Uh, very humble beginnings. I started raising pigs and goats in 2010. I think I started with, uh, was it like six pigs and four goats? And uh, it was just kind of something my family thought I was going nuts. I, I actually dropped out of college and, and started raising livestock on my family's land that was previously um, just kind of uh, not being farmed, just kind of let it was kind of growing wild up here in the Poconos. Uh, so I started with a few pigs and a few goats. And uh, from there, I just kind of fell in love with the lifestyle of being a farmer. And uh, we started selling locally, doing some farmer's markets. And um, around 2012, 2013, it started, we started doing more wholesale into Philadelphia, and uh, and then last year a little bit into New York. Talk a little bit about wholesale because um, 
there's a lot of people who are uh, teetering on the brink of moving over into wholesale from hustling everything themselves, mm-hmm. uh, especially people who started in vegetables and then got onto the animal bandwagon, and then that bandwagon started running much faster than they recognized. And maybe just explain a little bit your mm-hmm. experience of and counsel about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we started with retail because we thought going to the consumer would be, you know, direct-to-consumer would be the most profitable, uh, you know, venture. But really what I found was uh, there's so little time. Uh, I would spend an entire day doing a farmer's market. I'd be up at the crack of dawn and wouldn't get home till dark, and uh, it just it was exhausting. So um, for me, it just made more sense as I, since I pretty much run the farm solo uh, to save my time and let and let the stores and restaurants do the selling, and uh, just um, just take orders from them and deliver weekly. And tell me about your distribution. Are you doing it yourself? Are you working in a co-op? Are you working with a software? Tell me a little more specifically about the breakdown of that business. I can't hear you too well. You sound, you sound like you're a, a thousand miles away. Oh, I'm sorry. That? I was using mute. That was my fault. Okay. I said, um, how come you're... Sorry, I said, what kind of software do you use? Or is there a buyer's uh, seller's cooperative or a company, mm-hmm. a distributor that you use? What's the... What's the uh, no, mostly right now we just... That? Yeah, mostly we just receive the orders direct from the customer via uh, phone call or email. And uh, and then we'll deliver it ourselves, or we'll find a, a truck that's going to be in their area and, and put it on a truck. Um, but no, we we pretty much do all our own logistics for wholesale delivery. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on around there agriculturally, mm-hmm. um, in the countryside around you. A little bit the mm-hmm. context of the landscape and how much of an anomaly are you, or are there bunches and bunches of handsome young pig farmers? You're part mm. of the world. No, up here in the Poconos, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like resort land. Uh, a lot of people come up here on vacation. There's not really a lot of farms. The, the soil isn't really all that fertile. A lot of rocks, uh, a lot of mountains. So there's not a lot of farms in our area. Um, the one reason, the main reason I raise pigs, I didn't really aspire to be a, a pig farmer. Uh, but uh, the one reason we raise pigs here is because that's what the, that's what suits the land the best. Um, pigs don't really need uh, prime farmland. Um, they don't need you know perfect pristine pastures like a, a sh- like a, a cow or a sheep might. So that's how we got into the pigs. Uh, really, around us, it's um, mostly residential um, and, and just you know state game lands. Very very rural. Um, so we're kind of an anomaly in this area. People, people took us people a little while to get used to the fact that there was a pig farm next door. So the pros are, though, maybe, so I, I hear some cons in terms of loneliness and not amazing soil. Mm-hmm. But I'm hearing some pros in uh, maybe not much competition and a lot of curious neighbors. <laughs> Um, yeah, there, there there really isn't much competition with. Well, there are other people raising heritage breed pigs um, outdoors, um, 
it's just it's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, it's very expensive to feed pigs. Uh, not a whole lot of money into it. So there isn't a lot of competition. We do, com- I guess, compete maybe with like uh, the pork you would see in Whole Foods. That's not usually not raised uh, outdoors like ours is. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the neighbors are curious. Some are. Some are very happy that that we're here. Others are not so much. <laughs> uh, we have a very beautiful farm. It doesn't smell or anything, but some people are still a little standoffish about pigs in their in their neck of the woods. And so, what are you thinking about when you're thinking about? Okay, I feel like I've got this whole pig thing under uh, uh, under my belt. I can do this. This is kind of working. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it sounds like you're now in year five, four. Yeah, like four or five. Four. Well, what are you thinking really, about doing next, or um, what is your business mm-hmm. nose telling you it might be a, a, a good direction to take to take your business in? Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll keep raising pigs until until we use up the land we have here. Uh, we don't want to overcrowd to the point where the, the pigs don't have land to forage. So once we get to that point, I guess we'll evaluate what the next step would be, whether, you know, getting more land or, or finding other farms to, to help supplement our supply. Uh, so we'll see. You're going to stick with what you're doing as long as you can. And tell us a little bit about your feed and um, where your feed comes from and how you made choices around that. Mm-hmm. So a big thing right now is no you know, people are very cautious of genetically modified organisms, and as am I. So we uh, don't feed our pigs uh, anything that contains uh, GMOs. We have a, a good relationship with a local farmer that grows us um, a pig feed that's mo- made up of corn, soybeans, oats, barley, alfalfa, and it's uh, all non-GMO or certified organic. And then um, we also get... Um, some supplement from a local brewery. They ha- we get a uh, wet brewer's grain from them, and uh, mix that in. And uh, pigs really like it. it; has a nice, sweet, toasted flavor to it, and it helps keep our costs down. And do you have any sense of like the nutritional value? I mean, I um, everybody I know that can get their mitts on it is feeding spread brewery grain. And I always am wondering, well, um, how much energy is left in there? Mm-hmm. And is it, you know, h- how do you evaluate how much it's worth to schlep um, yeah. that grain to them? It's obviously well, yeah, that, they, free and it's trash. So those are some pretty important factors. Yeah. It's, it's still got um, a lot of protein in it and a lot of vitamins and minerals. But you're right, it's very low on energy. They sucked all the sugar out of it. So it, it's not a, by itself a standalone, uh, you know, complete ration. That's why we have to mix uh, a complete ration pig pig feed with it. Um, it's it's a waste product because really because it, there's so much water in it. It's like 75% moisture. So hauling it around is pretty expensive. Picking it up is pretty expensive because it's all that water weight. Um, but we we find that it's worthwhile uh, despite the fact. Have you done any research or reading into feeds and feed values and feed mixtures and 
a little mm-hmm. more traditional feeds, or do you have any um, comments or suggestions in that direction uh, from having handled a bunch of feed and using different yeah. maybe trough systems? Well, um, any expert. Any expert on pig feeding will, or you know, animal tr- nutrition will tell you that you should not feed wet brewer's grain to pigs. I- I've heard that so many times, but for me it works. Um, we feed, depending on the age of the animal, like a young young piglet will feed a very small amount. And as they get older, they get a higher proportion. Uh, we try to keep their over, um, you know, a young animal has a high energy, high protein diet, an older animal. Mm, more of like a high fiber diet, not as much energy because we don't want them getting obese. Um, so we just adjust according according to the size and uh, age of the animal. Now, somehow I thought you were raising goats. We do. We do raise goats, and it's uh, it's it's definitely not as uh, profitable as a, of a venture, but. That's more of a hobby for me. <laughs> we have uh, we have Kiko goats, which is a, a breed. Um, I think it's a, a breed that actually originated in New Zealand, or some of the genetics came from New Zealand. They're very hardy, wild goat, and they they do real well outdoors. We, we keep them outdoors year round with no barns or anything, and uh, they're pretty self sufficient that way. So I like them. What's your market for those goats? I mean, you're saying they're more of a pet. That maybe sounds like mm-hmm. you don't really have the market totally down pat. But well, um, there's a, there's a market for goat. I and know the people sell. in Brooklyn they eat a lot of goats. <laughs> a lot of it's the number one eating meat in the world. But the the issue with goat is for anyone out there thinking about raising goats is you're always going to compete with goat from New Zealand or Australia which I think is a subsidized crop over there because it, it's incredibly cheap. They can they export it to the United States for like a half the price of what it costs to raise it here. So really you have to find a customer that understands and wants the, the quality um, uh, of a local goat, a goat that's raised outdoors, a goat that's raised, uh, that's butchered at a young age, um, and someone that's willing to pay a little extra. Um, otherwise, most of your ethnic communities are, are just perfectly fine with Getting goat from uh, from you know offshore. Well, the thing people say a lot is to do halal goat because there's a big community of people who care a lot how the goat was mm-hmm. killed, and under halal you bleed the goat to death, and that's considered the proper uh, religious way to kill the goat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you have you done a little research in that area? Um, we we have never really sold a goat for that purpose. Um, mostly because we don't have a halal butcher around us. Um, so no, I don't really I don't really know too much about it. And we really haven't had too many inquiries about it. Well, be something worth looking into. I just. Um, mm-hmm. Who do we just talk to? Even up here in the Adirondacks, um, a farmer is raising sheep, and he says if one guy comes, one guy, one knife, he buys the animals live, and he dispatches them there for a religious community. Mm-hmm. And he, it's, uh, 
you know, it's not like we're hella convenient anywhere up here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at least we're as inconvenient as you are to get to <laughs> from any concentrated urban, con- you know, population of religious goat-eating people. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, there's my... T- um, let's talk a little more about, let's talk a little more about what motivated you to drop out of college, because I think there's a lot of people, I get calls from young people actually kind of frequently, and I'm, I don't always know what to say to them, because I don't want their parents to get mad at me, yeah. when they basically say, um, I want to drop out of college and become a farmer, uh-huh. and, you know, there's no sense in me going into a bunch of debt and learning about how to, um perform perform an English essay when I know mm-hmm. I want to farm and I'm going to need all, every penny I have in order to have enough capital not to be um, disadvantaged in my agricultural career. Yeah. Um, you want to talk a little bit about what went in, down in your brain? Well, I kind of felt the same way. I, I, was, I was fed up with, uh, I was kind of just going to school to appease everyone around me, but I was at the point where I wasn't... Um, I didn't really have a clear goal of why I was even going to college anymore because I I didn't really enjoy my major. I actually had I went to three different colleges. I kept transferring because I was hoping I'd find something that interests me, and uh, just never really found it. So finally, I don't know. Over the course of a couple weeks, I just stopped going, and I just decided, well, I'm going to try. I'm just going to go for it. I'm gonna, I have a really good opportunity because my family has this land. Um, and actually, I dropped out without even knowing if they would let me use the land. Um, and at first, they wouldn't. Uh, and then my mom finally kind of gave in. Um, so I just went for it. I would say, you know, anyone that was in my position, just make sure it's a decision. Make sure you're going to college because you want to and because you have a clear goal of your future. But if there's something else you'd rather do and you're committed, you know, you're not going to try it for a little while and quit because... Farming is very difficult, then <laughs> um, just go for it. Did you ever waver from that commitment? I mean, had you tried out farming before? So here's the thing. I get a lot of people saying to me, oh, well, you're young farmers. They're so, you know, they're reckless. They're, they don't know anything about business. They're just so eager. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of crazy. And I'm like, well... Yeah, those are the characteristics of a lot of people that I know to be very successful. Yeah, and I yeah. am, I'm unwilling to allow you to characterize my community in that manner. Thank you very much, sir. And <laughs> you know, here you are, yet another one. Um, mm-hmm. But had you worked on a farm before or, like, had any sense that you were going to be able to stick with it? And have you had any wavering moments? You know, mm-hmm. now you're in year four, five. Well, I kind of, I'm at the point of no return. So even if I felt like I was wavering, I, I, I couldn't waver because I, I pretty much gave up everything. I wouldn't say gave up everything, but I, you know, put everything on the back burner to do this. I spent my life savings on it um, and, you know, put all this infrastructure in place on our land. So, yeah, there are times where I just thought, man, like, what am I doing? But you just can't, once you're in it, you just can't stop. <laughs> And, uh, and I, I don't know, what was, the, what was the other part of that question? Well, I just kind of answered it. Um, okay. 
you're saying I'm at the point of no return, and, and that my second part was like, well, do you ever waver? And you're like, yeah. I'm committed. I'm in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, and, but and you're physics. farming alone, and you have no lady, and you're all alone over there. Is that true? <laughs> uh, well, I have a lot of ladies around, but they're all uh, my, my family's all pretty much all women, so I'm, I'm outnumbered. But uh, no, I'm I'm not just doing it doing it alone. Although my mom my mom does help out a lot. She has her own business, um, but I whenever I'm in a pinch, she's the one that I I call. Well, this is great because you're breaking. You know, we have also another one of the major stereotypes is that you can only really farm if you're part of a heteronormative power couple. And if you're part of a what? Disable people's ambition. They think, well, I'll never. I can't really start because I'm. I'm just one human in the world. And here mm-hmm. you are proving it all wrong. Um, well, maybe you could talk just for a second about some of the resources and. Um, usefulness that you've run into as you've experienced the work of starting your operation from the bottom up and um, mm-hmm. where you would point people who were interested in your region to go and mm-hmm. check out in order to get the kinds of things that help them. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought about, like, when I first started, I thought about maybe interning at another farm, which which wouldn't be a bad idea, but if you have access to the land, to, to land, that you can farm on, you're almost better off making the mistakes on your own farm rather than working on someone else's. So that was my mentality. I just, I just started doing it, and I, I learned from all the mistakes. I made a lot of really bad mistakes, but I made them on a pretty small scale to start out with. And, um, and then I pretty much uh, researched how to do things from Google and YouTube and just the modern way of finding out how to do anything. And... Uh, Sure enough, you know it was a huge learning curve, but sure enough, here I am, and I'm a I'm a I'm a certified pig farmer, I guess. <laughs> well, I um, Google and YouTube are not yet generally on the list of answers that I get to that question, but I I, I should go check out what they've got going these days. <laughs> you can learn just about anything on YouTube. And uh. uh uh, oh, I was the second part of that question was about regional resources or um, particularly mm-hmm. in your place there where you are. If there's particular organizations or gathering places or sources of mm-hmm. information or kinship that um, you would point people to. Yeah, uh, in Pennsylvania, there's an organization called PASA, uh, Pennsylvania Association for Sustainable Agriculture, and that's a really good one. Uh, field days where you can learn. I think there's a pasture pork field day coming up soon where you can learn. Um, you know, they have a lot of different uh, learning events, so educational events. So they're great. Um, well, really just really just going out to a farm, like anyone wants to come out to my farm, or if they have a farm in their area that's doing something that they're interested in, just, just go out and see if, if they'll, you know, spend the day and show you around or even just a couple hours. You'll be amazed what you can learn from a farm that's actually, you know, doing it as a full-time job. You know, not some. You know, sometimes the educational events are being held by like nonprofits uh, or, or you know organizations that aren't really aren't really doing it for a living. Um, so I would always seek out a, a real farmer and, and see if you can learn from them. 
Well, I appreciate so much your coming on the show and the work that you're doing out there in the bush. And are you accepting any interns or applications uh, for help at any time soon, or, or are you just going to continue as a one-man show out there? <laughs> uh, we'd always, we'd, I'd always entertain it. Uh, we don't have any on-farm housing yet um, for interns, but if there's anyone local, we, we would definitely entertain it. So, uh, yeah, come by if you're a local slash prospective girlfriend. Hopefully, we'll oh, get geez. you some action. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. All right. Thanks, for, thanks very much for having me. And thank you, all of our listeners. I have a couple of tiny announcements I want to make. Um, and one of them is that on June 22nd, we have the main sale freight potluck dinner at the Lincolnville Tranquility Grange. It's a partnership between Greenhorns and the Penobscot Marine Museum. Um, in collusion with Maine Farmland Trust and Mosca and the Penops, I already said that. It's basically a big panel of experts on sail freight. Chipperly Good is a curator at the Penobscot Marine Museum, and he'll be talking about the history of sail freight in Maine. Uh, Kate Cronin was the first captain of the Clearwater Sloop, which is a boat put together by Pete Seeger as a way to clean up the Hudson River as an educational vehicle vessel, and they used to bring pumpkins down the river. Lance Lee started the Apprentice Shop, which is a, lear- a boat-based learning uh, framework for kids to come and learn carpentry skills and restore old boats. That's in Rockport, Maine. And Lou Yoder, who's been captaining all around the East Coast and around the world, and he'll be talking about sail freight. In the Cook Islands, he'll be talking about the sail freight project of the Mass Brothers um, and some of his ideas about refurbing uh, mackerel boats to do cargo. And then Patrick and I will give a little report about the Vermont sail freight project. And Ellie Kaufman will talk about her mystic sheaf traders concept. She has two sailboats, and she raises heritage wheat, um, famously with the Wheat Conservancy um, so she's interested to move heritage wheat down the coast. So it's an emerging conversation. It's a cross-sectoral dialogue, historians, uh, nautical people, dock side, farm side, sail side. It's really a fun little crew that's emerging in Maine, and um, we're hoping to build on the momentum from the Vermont Sail Freight Project and bring cargo from Lubeck to Boston, hopefully as soon as 2015. So if you're interested and you have skills or ideas or money or a boat or, or I already said skills, we need skills, please come to the potluck June 22nd on 5 o'clock at the Tranquility Grange in Lincolnville, Maine, and join the posse. Let's do it. All right, everyone. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.